Speaking of the Word of God, are you ready to hear the Word of God this morning? Can I get an amen from somebody? Hallelujah. It really is my pleasure to, to bring Miss Diane up. Come on up here, sweetheart. She's going to be delivering the Word to you today. Now, y'all take it easier on her, okay, because this is her first time doing the camera thing, and I know she's going to do a fantastic job. Get ready to receive a powerful word from the Lord. God bless you, dear. Oh, I get a kiss, too. Cool. Amen. Good morning. I am so glad to be here. I wish y'all were here with us, but there, there's a couple people in the room, and I'm glad to get to see the few of you that I get to see today. I'll tell you the truth, I was being goofy the other day, and uh, Pastor Rick said, maybe you ought to preach. He said, maybe the people need some joy. So I did something I haven't done in a long time. I set my alarm and uh, took off my night pajamas instead of putting on my day pajamas, you know. I uh, got out some clothes, finally got to wear my Easter dress, and, um, you know, after six weeks in sweatpants, you got to find the amumu or something, you know. <laughs> and so I, I really am not here to be comic relief, but um, I keep them laughing at my house, I guess, and uh, Pastor Rick thought it would be a good idea. So uh, here I am. I am I'm excited to be here. I love y'all so much, and I love God's church. I love the house of the Lord, and I love his people, and I love being his kid. I love serving him, and um, even though we've been home for six weeks, we haven't changed. We haven't stopped any of our, our habits of, of, you know, prayer and worship and reading the word, and um, so it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. You know, uh, I'm going to tell him myself, I, I've been teasing Pastor Rick. I've been watching the 714 along with um, a lot of you, and... Um, Every time that he says, uh, keep your nose in the book and your knees bent to heaven, then I have to tell him I'm having trouble with that. You know, I keep trying to like throw my knees up um, instead of, I know he's talking about kneeling down, but you know, I, uh, I told him it, it's hard to keep your knees up to heaven and stay focused on prayer. It's kind of uncomfortable. Um, and then he, him and the guys in men's ministry are all the time saying this word, kazak, you know. And I can't say it. I wrote it down with K's so that I could get it out today. It means something about bravery and courage and loyalty and, you know, all those good things that, that men are supposed to have. And every time he says it, I, uh, I followed up with shazam because... <laughs> Uh, what kind of, you got to say it with the Gomer Pyle accent, you know, but uh, it means the same thing, I think, and uh, <laughs> that's how we keep things rolling at our house. We're trying to, you know, maintain our joy. Um, I promise that I am not going to say the words coronavirus, COVID-19, pandemic, social distancing, or any of those other words that stress you out and make you angry. I'm not going to say them again in this message, but I just wonder, how are you doing? How are you doing? I have talked to a few. I haven't seen anyone, really. Um... And I wonder how you're doing. I know we've been in quarantine for six weeks. 
And, you know, I was thinking if someone had told us in January that we were going to have six weeks off, we wouldn't have believed it in a million years, would we? I know that some of you are working, and I want to say thank you because we need you. And this is your time to shine. I know maybe it doesn't feel that way, but the world, the, the, we need you. And so we thank you for going to work, for, for doing uh, your job. Um, not everybody is able to, but those of you that are, thank you. Thank you. So I thought I'd share a little bit about our six weeks of quarantine. The first week was amazing. I was like, all right, we're home, you know, don't have to go to work. And uh, I had a list of things I wanted to accomplish around the house. And uh, Rick couldn't go anywhere, you know. And so we did house projects. We, uh, I painted ceilings, walls, doors. Uh, I come up with all the things that I wanted Rick to do. You know, I had him do this elaborate wood slat wall, kind of in a decorative design. Uh, Tim Haggart saw it one day, and all he said was, Pastor, I'm sorry you had to do that. <laughs> but it's beautiful. I, uh, I wanted a seven-foot toy box. And then he erroneously showed me a picture of a bench, and I said, oh, yeah, make it like that. And he said, well, that's only four feet. Okay, well, make that, only shorten the back, make the sides longer. And pretty much I designed projects for Pastor Rick to build. And so in that first week or so, we were building, we were painting, we were working at home, and we were having a good time. The second week was good, too, because the weather was nice. And so I went out and raked all my flower beds. I got a, a little gardening in there. I tore out a raised bed and moved the dirt, planted a gazillion wildflowers in there. For Rick's birthday, I bought him a fire pit, and we sat in the backyard. We burnt that raised bed, the wood, and, and uh, enjoyed being out in our yard. It kind of felt like vacation. It was, it was fun. We burnt, burned things from the garage. Well, on one of Rick's uh, trips to um, Home Depot, I convinced him to get 10 bags of mulch. Should, I should have said 30. But I was fortunate that he would pick up 10 for me. Um, that was the second week. In the third week, we did what y'all did. We uh, had pretty much a steady schedule of eat, read, nap, eat, nap, read some more, make dinner, and then snack, and then go to bed. <laughs> Someone said, if you wear your jeans for five days in a row, you're going to think you're losing weight, but you're not. They're just all stretched out, you know. So I've done, personally, I have done seven 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzles all by myself, one of the weirdest things about this period of time is not having to ever look at the calendar on my phone because, well, everything is canceled. And so it, it's been freeing, it's been strange, it's been fun. And then the fourth week hit. And pretty much all you can do now is go to the grocery store. And so I went to the grocery store every few days and spent $359 because, you know, they might not have the things that I need the next time that I come. The cashier said to me, you know, almost everybody who's come through my lane today has spent almost 400 bucks. 
And, uh, you know, really that's all we had to do. And with all the eating and the uh, napping and the snacking at home, we needed constant supplies. So thank you to the grocery workers. Week five, I asked Rick, how many weeks does it take for people to get angry? He said, I don't know. I said, five. <laughs> Takes five weeks. And now, on the fifth week, everybody hates everybody. People are starting to threaten each other. I even said, I'm going to buy some mulch, and they can't stop me. Rick said to Grandma, Diane's rebelling. Um, but I, I am not rebellious. He did call me a rebel, but, you know... Um, in Gratiot County, to this point, there have been three people that were sick, maybe seven. Um, no one had passed. I, I saw an article that said, if you could see this thing, you wouldn't want to be out anywhere. But in our area, um, it wasn't like it was in, in some of the larger cities. Week six, boredom sets in. I take two walks a day in between my naps. I'm thinking, I gotta, I'm going to start calling around Breckenridge to see who wants to go for a walk. There's 1,300 people in the little village that we live in, and um, none of them are sick. You see them walk in. I uh, met a dog named Max. He takes five walks a day. There's a dog around the corner getting ready to have 16 puppies. I mean, boredom. But the truth is, there's been a lot of stress in a lot of people's lives. In the first week that we were under house arrest, I read a book by John Bevere called Undercover. The subtitle is The Promise of Protection Under God's Authority. You know, one of the last times I was in this church, I went to my office and I just grabbed a bunch of books out of my bookshelf. I didn't really even pay attention to what they were. They were just things to read. And um, I like to read. I like to read beach novels. I like to read um, stories with happy endings. And generally that takes place at the beach in a cottage or, you know, something like that. That's entertainment for me. They have to end happy or, or I will burn them because that's not entertainment if it's not happy. But I also like to read inspirational things that will challenge me, that will cause me to grow, right? And I hope that you're doing that. I hope you're not just reading the, the, you know, the fancy novels, but that you're taking this time to, to learn some things, maybe to sharpen yourself and to um, uh, get some instruction or some correction if you need it. So I grabbed this book. I don't even know why, but it's called Undercover by John Brevere and The Promise of Protection Under God's Authority. And the truth is, especially now, I want God's protection. And, you know, I've discovered there are two kinds of people out there. There are those who say, we're all going to get it. We're all going to be sick. We'll probably die. It's coming back worse. It's going to be horrible later. And then there are those who say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And truthfully, I've never been afraid of this enemy that we're facing. I'm not afraid of it. The only fear that I have is, am I right with God? I've always said the only thing I fear is walking out of God's will for my life because then I'm on my own, and I don't want to be on my own. 
So I began to check myself because this fear kind of rose up in me that said, God, am I okay with you? Are we okay? Is everything okay? Is there anything in my life that needs to change? Anything that doesn't please you? I know that my obedience to his word determines the life that I will live. And I want to live the best possible life. Not because he's a tyrant, but because he's the author of this life. And he knows the way that life works. And so I discovered that there were some things in me that needed to change. I discovered that some of my attitudes, okay, hatred towards certain people, okay, politicians, were not pleasing to God. My feelings did not represent his heart. Because you know what our battle is and against flesh and blood? I needed to pray for these people, not disdain them. I had even passed on a joke, a funny little picture, something I don't exactly remember what it was, but I passed it on to my two adult daughters. And after God convicted my heart about this, I had to call them and ask them to forgive me. I said, you know what, that is not the heart of God. I represented him wrong. If I want to be under God's protection, remember, I have to do things his way. And I am really glad that self-correction can come before his correction comes. You know what? We can self-correct. You just have to stay close enough to God that you can hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit to make the corrections that you needed to make. And so that was one of the things. I was saying the wrong things about people that don't believe the way that I believe, and, and it did not please God. And so I had to make that right. You know, another thing that he showed me was that there was a problem with my money. I had too much in my checkbook. And you might think, well, how can that be a problem? <laughs> that doesn't sound like a problem to me. <laughs> but, you know, um, I, some people that I highly respect, when trouble came into their lives, that one of the, you know, the first things they did was check themselves. Are we okay? Are we doing the right thing? Do we have sin in the camp? They checked their money. Are they robbing God? Are they um, supporting God? his kingdom? Are they caring about what he cares about? And are they walking that out every day? And so I had noticed that, I noticed um, when I got my bank statement, I think in um, February, that there was too much money in my account, but the records didn't balance, and I had more than I should. Okay, so that maybe doesn't seem like a problem to you, but for years and years, we have um, been following James uh, um, um, Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's um, plan, fi uh, financial peace. It's God's plan for your money if you don't know how to manage money, which I didn't. Rick didn't. When I met Rick, he had written, I don't know, in his checkbook. Um, we had to learn how to manage money correctly. And um, so every dollar has an assignment. I tell my money where to go. 
It doesn't tell me how to live. I tell my money where to go. And every dollar has an assignment. And so when all of a sudden there's too much money in there, somebody didn't go where they were supposed to go, right? And, and, I, and I thought, oh, I wonder what that is. And I started looking. And then I thought, well, I'll worry about that later because it doesn't seem like a huge problem to have too much money. So I let it go. And then um, when my next bank statement came, sure enough, I still got too much money in there. And so I decided I better do some investigating. See, I've started to do some of my giving online. And I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I will sit down and I'll, I'll plan out where all my money's going to go before I've actually got the money deposited. So now I need to hold up just a minute and don't start sending it out till the deposit gets there. You know what I'm saying? So, but then there's the danger that after the deposit gets there, you forget to send that money out. And that's exactly what happened. And I wasn't, I, I'll be honest with you. I was being a little lackadaisical about it. Uh, because it didn't really seem too painful to have more money than I should. But then trouble came. And I said, God, am I right with you? And he brought to mind my mouth, and he brought to mind my money. See, I knew where that, I, I had an idea where that money was supposed to go. And I want you to know that I, I could not send that out fast enough. I'm thinking if I'm, I don't care if I made a mistake, I am getting the seed out of the barn. You know what I'm saying? This is not the time to back up on your commitments to God and his kingdom. This is, this is not the time to rob God. And you know what? I have never, not once have I feared for our income during this season that we're in. Because I trust God. But I have to make sure that I'm living right also. I read an article the other day about Lauren Daigle. I'm sure that you all know who she is. She's like a, you know, mega uh, recording, uh, uh, Christian contemporary recording artist. And in 2015, she released her first album. It was called How Can It Be? And it, it, was, it reached number one. It went platinum. She had three number one um, singles on that album. And um, she was nominated for a couple of Grammys. She said that the day after the 2016 Grammys, she came home and she wrote the song, You Say... And I know, I'm sure you all know it. It's an amazing song. It's anointed. It's so anointed, as a matter of fact, that she said that when she began to sing this song at concerts, people didn't know it yet. But she said by like the second or the third line, they were singing along with me. Of course, the words were on the screen, but she said, how did they know the melody? It's just such an anointed song. And she wrote this line. She said that she was being pulled in so many different directions because of her success. And, and she wrote this song, and in this song she wrote this line, the only thing that matters now is what you think of me. And you know what? You may be being pulled in a lot of different directions right now. The only thing that matters is what God thinks of you and your relationship with him.
we're all being pulled in different directions. You know, maybe your heart is being pulled. Your mind is being pulled. Your behavior is being pulled. And it made me ask the question, God, what do you require of me? Well, you all know the scripture, Micah 6 and 8. It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what he requires of you. Our assignment then, as I see it, is to stay close enough to God so that we can hear him when he speaks. And then we have to obey. Now, some of you are called to politics. I am not. Some of you are called to health care. I am not. <laughs> I'm a horrible nurse. Just ask my family. It's a gift. And, and you know, while we're right here, let me just say thank you to those that work in the medical profession because I know that you've been pulled and you've been stretched and I know that you're tired. And I want you to know that you, your gift is so necessary right now that you shine. We, we applaud you. You have a gift that a, a lot of us don't have. I don't at all. But, but you, you've been called, you've been gifted, and your time is now. God will sustain you. God will keep you. God will reward you. So don't grow weary in doing good, for you will reap if you faint not. We're all called to something. And I believe that right now we have to stay close enough to God so that we can hear him say what it is that he wants us to do. We're living in hard times. This is a mess. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But is God afraid? Is he unaware? Is he uncaring? Is he unavailable? No. No. Does he know exactly how this will end? Yes, he does. God told me one time that the reason that there are so many curves in the road is so that you can't see what's around the corner. Because we, take, we, we worry about what's down the road. What's it going to be like in next week, next month, next year? We worry about what's down the road. And, and you know, God corrected me in this a long time ago and said, Diane, don't worry about what's down the road. He wrote in the Word don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own, all right? He told me, he said, Diane, there's so many curves in the road because you don't need to see what's up there. Just trust me. I'll take you through. Just trust him. Can you trust God? I can. Can you trust him with your whole life? I do. Am I in turmoil for the days ahead? Nope. Not at all. You know, Jesus brought us that peace that passes all understanding, that peace that people don't understand. People are frantic, and they don't understand your peace. They think you 
are ignorant or something or you don't get it. They don't understand that peace that passes all understanding, that peace in the midst of the storm. You know, I remember when, when my, my dad was dying, and I remember a friend sent me a song that, um, I don't remember the name of it, but it says sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he calms his child. And so even in the midst of turmoil and peace, or excuse me, and, and trial, you can have peace, and you can have joy. You can trust in him. He says, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk in his peace. You know, let me just say this. If you don't know God like I know God, you can. It's so, so simple. I've shared this a hundred times. When I came to know God, as my Father and Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, I, I sat out on my porch swing, and I talked to him. And you know what? Prayer is talking. Prayer is just talking to God. It doesn't have to be fancy or eloquent. You don't have to know all the right words. You just have to be able to speak. And I said, God, if you are who they say you are, then show me. Show me who you are. And he did. And he will. And he wants to. He is available. It's so simple. He will reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. You need to get a Bible because in this book are his letters to you. There's so much to learn about this God that we serve. There's so much to learn about Jesus and what he has done for us. You need to find a, a, a church community, let's say, because the church isn't the building. The church is the people. I love the T-shirt you've seen that says, you know, the church has left the building. Well, we were never intended to just inhabit buildings, right? The church is the people. And, and so if you don't know him, if you don't know Jesus, you need to ask him to show you who he is. You need to get a Bible so that you can read his letters to you. You need to find a community of believers that will help you to understand and that will help to teach you. I'm reading another book right now. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's an old book. I think it was written six years ago, no, 2004, long, long time ago. Um, and it's so interesting because it's about what comes next. And um, it's fascinating. I love it. I want you to keep going. Keep growing stronger. Don't forfeit your joy. Don't forfeit your peace. You can see the victory. You can get through this. Come on. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it. We're going to not just survive. We're going to thrive. If you'll stay close enough to God so that you can hear him speak, he's going to lead you through every trial and every tribulation. You know, my family has experienced some heartbreak. None, no one is exempt. We've all had trouble. 
Just before midnight a couple of nights ago, my youngest daughter sat down at her piano and she played a song. Just, it was saturated in love and peace. There was such an anointing on it. I've listened to it over and over and over. And I've asked Rick to sing it for you now. You know, Erica wrote, wrote me a note, and, and she said, she sent it to her dad and I and her sister, and she said, I remember how you and dad taught us to run to Jesus in times of trouble. She said, I remember, Mom, when we were on our way to church in a snowstorm, and you lost control of the car, and you just started calling out to Jesus. She said, it's become second nature in my life as well. She said, the great thing I learned about his name through terrible trial that she has endured is that when you call it out, our burdens transfer from our shoulders to his. She said, I'm so sure that Jesus' name can send calm, release fear, ease pain. Jesus' name is the name that overcomes every sadness, every disappointment, every heartbreak, heals every wounds, fills us with hope when things feel hopeless, brings life to dead places, brings peace to trauma. Jesus. My prayer for you is peace and joy and Jesus. We're going to make it. You're going to make it. Just call on his name when, when things get heavy. Call on his name. Amen. That's all we need. We need Jesus. Maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe right where you're at, you're thinking, boy, howdy, do I need Jesus. I never want to leave a service without giving people an opportunity to set their hearts right with God. I love the transparency and honesty that Diane brought this morning, saying she had to check herself. Sometimes, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to check ourselves. The Bible, in fact, teaches us to examine yourself to see if you're actually of the faith. So an altar invitation, a salvation call, can work in a number of different ways. And, and I like to flow in that based on what I sense in my spirit about it. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to, to, to simply get your heart in alignment to God. Check yourself. Examine yourself. Even right now, this very instant, we're going to say a prayer together here in just a moment. And I pray that you believe the words of the prayer. Believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth. That's where it's all at. And so, right where you're at, wherever you may be, Say this prayer with me now. I'm going to say a line, then I want you to repeat it after me. Dear Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I need your help. 
I know that I've come to you many times before, and it always seems to be when I need your help. First, Lord, I'm going to ask you to forgive me for that. I, I know you want us to come to you, and I know you want us to ask for your help, but today I wish I had to come at even the good times, and I'd have praised you for the good things. I thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. I thank you for washing me whiter than snow. Today, Lord, go ahead and say that. Say, today, Lord, I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. Help me to understand what that really means. Help me understand your love. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you said that prayer this morning and you did so with a belief in your heart that the things that you were saying were true and you confessed it out, I want you to know that you just got your heart set and adjusted with God. That's a marvelous thing, and I want to applaud that right now. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Thank you so much. Listen, I hope that if you did say that prayer today and it, and it was a, an intentional moment where you feel like something's changed in here, I want to encourage you to call. Call in 989-681-5731. Our prayer team is standing by right now. They're, they're actually prepared at this very moment to pray with you, to celebrate with you. So again, 989-681-5731. Call in and let us know that you got things adjusted in your heart with Jesus this morning. We want to hear your testimony, and we want to bless you as well. Amen. Father, every single person that said that prayer today, I thank you, Lord, that they have just set their heart straight with you. And I pray, Lord God, that they're going to run into people now who have the same heart set right with God, and they're going to encourage one another, and they're going to walk this journey of discipleship. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being a part of our service today. We want you to know that the praise team is going to hang out, I think, probably till around 12 o'clock or something like that. So they're still here to pray with you, still here to encourage you, still here to testify to you. And uh, did I say praise team? I meant prayer team. I just saw the praise team in the back going, what? What are we going to do? No, prayer team, the prayer team. I'll keep the praise team back too, and they'll play songs while the prayer team's going. Just, just kidding, just kidding. But thank you so much for being a part of our service today. I pray that you keep your nose in the book, keep your knees bent to heaven, and stay connected to the body of Christ. I pray the blessing of the Lord upon you, Psalm 91 for you, his peace for you, his grace, and his power for you. God bless each and every one of you.